This podcast is produced by Visionary Studios. Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Rail, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That. Today we are joined by Joe Hornberger and Tim Cordier. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Great to have you here. Likewise. Yes. So to start, Joe. Yes. Tell us a little bit about you, where are you from, what you do, etc. I'm from Chicago originally, born and raised. I grew up downtown, so like right by Navy Pier. So I'm not like a fake Chicago and not in the suburbs, which we take very seriously if you've ever spoken to someone from Chicago. I grew up there, moved to school, uh, moved to college in Boston uh, when I was 17, 18. And now I live in New York. I've been in New York for five years over this summer, which is crazy to think that it's been five years. I'm an actor, I guess, <laughs> when, when we're allowed to be um, for sometimes during the year. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the gist. It's very, very simple. I love. That's yes. A fun, that's a fun trajectory. It's a fun trajectory. Going on there. Yes. And what is it? After five, after 10 years, you get to say that you're a true New Yorker? I guess. We'll see if I make so it 10 halfway. years. Five years was brutal. The pandemic. Well, that's true. You're, you're a fighter. I'm a fight. I, I would like to claim a survivor. Local, really. I would like to claim that if you stayed in New York during the pandemic, you are a true New Yorker at this point. I would I'd like to, I would agree the with timeline that. changed. I would agree with that. Yeah. Tim, how about you? Tell us a little bit about you and where you're from. Sure. I grew up in Liverpool, New York, which is right outside of Syracuse. Got involved in theater at an early age, and that's kind of been the trajectory of my life ever since. I went to Ithaca College and studied musical theater, of course, and now I live in New York City. For eleven years. Oh, so, so yeah, yeah. Tim's I old. New Tim new crossed the border a while ago. You've made the New Yorker status. Oh, so maybe you could like give Joe like an honorary. Sure. Yeah, well, give me a badge. badge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got five more years. Oh, baby. <laughs> give me a badge, please. Or is he going back to Chicago? No, no. Chicago's done. My mom is moving to Dallas. Oh, and so, so Chicago era. Chicago's done. We have like a year left, but she's she's out. So. I'll be a, a cowboy instead. Hot. It, yes. <laughs> I can't wait. Let's talk about New York. That's where you guys both live right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you grew up in Liverpool. You obviously were moving there from college in, in Boston. Yes. So for you, Joe, what was that like initially entering in to living in New York? I think musical theater students and acting students have a really nice transition in the sense of most people and most friends and kids from our school moved there before you. So you're not kind of moving there alone. You're not just kind of dumped into a workplace with people you don't know. I was very fortunate that I was very close to some of our mutual friends who were a few years older than me at school who had already been there for a year or two and really kind of gave you the, the lay down and the rundown of how it works and how to audition in the city and where to go and where to look for apartments. Um, and you always at least had one friend to call if you were bored or you just needed a drinking buddy. It was very easy, the transition, um, especially growing up downtown Chicago. It wasn't like a huge transition and Boston's pretty transient in that way. It wasn't it's not Ithaca, where you're, you're kind of dumped into like a college town or like a very small, quieter town. Um, I've kind of been city, 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 which was seamless in that regard. But it's New York. It bites you in the ass anyway. Um, <laughs> was your experience similar or was it different to, to his? Yeah, no, it's similar in that, like, especially with musical theater programs, it is sort of set up that you when you graduate, everyone kind of yep. moves together to the city. So you have a large group of friends already established in mm -hmm. the city. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely didn't come from a city background, though. So I, you know, I grew up in Liverpool, which is a suburb, and then Ithaca, which is like Hippieville of all Hippievilles, like with gorges and trees and not a city 
at all. So moving to New York was more like a rush, I guess. The first year was just like, how do I, how do I afford this? Yes. How do I get around? I loved it, but I do remember the, those initial months being like, how on earth? Do I survive this city? Because it's just so different, you know? It's so noisy. It's like all the elements all at once yeah. in New York, which is really fun at times, but when you're trying to yeah. decompress, you're like, this is a lot. And you're hungry upon graduation. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. You're not really... My friends who are not in theater, praise them. They they have kind of a transition into their workplace where they either come with the job and it's, and it's very s slow paced in, in the transition and getting used to and comfortable. Most of us don't show up to New York with a performing job. Right. It's very rare if you do and that's amazing, but it's very much go, go, go. Like you don't take time off, you don't sleep. You, you hit five auditions a day if you're lucky. Then um, this was pre-pandemic when yeah. they were all in person and yeah. you were outside at 3 a.m. Yeah, I guess nine to fivers move to the city and they have like structure yeah. right, right away. We have Whereas none. like musical theater or actors or, or you know, anyone in our type of field, you're creating your own schedule and you're, you're, you have to hustle. You have to be on yourself. You and have no one's to gonna do it for you. And no one's creating a schedule for you. You have mm -hmm. to be your own hype man at all times, even now, yeah, you know, especially it, in this career, it just never ends. You, you either stay driven or you move on to something else. Fair. Okay. Interesting. I want to hear at least for you, Joe, in comparing and contrasting kind of that initial experience in the gay community in New York, how would you compare that to that of like Boston or Chicago's gay community? Well, Chicago, I, I can't really speak on Chicago. I grew up there and I was not I didn't come out until college, and so I didn't really experience Chicago. And I was very ugly in middle school and in high school, so I was like, no one wants to come. I don't believe it. No, I have photos. I'll send them to you. You can post them in the video. <laughs> and Liz, I'll have my mom call you. She'll, she'll tell you all about it. Um, so Chicago, I didn't really experience until I came home from school later, and then in my early 20s on like breaks or whatever. So I, I'm not really sure what that looks like, but Boston was very small. Boston's a small city anyway. The downtown where Emerson was is, is very remedial in the sense of size. It was really just a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds trying to figure out who they are and all of us running around and, and going to the few bars and clubs we could get into and really learning about ourselves within a community, I guess. And so that was very nice of us having that group to figure out together. Once again, is the really nice part about going to school for theater. You know, you're, you're not going to school for business or for science where you may be the, the one, the one off. Yeah. Um, or you have to find the other like not out kids in a, in a very small town college or, or a bigger school in that regard. And so we had each other, which was really nice. Like I said, the community is very small there. And so you, you kind of meet the older people, you, you meet the people who've been out, who are out of school and everyone was lovely. Yeah. Um, it's small, they all know each other. And so th that became very close very quickly when we started going out and, and meeting more people. New York is a completely different beast and, and Tim's of age. So Tim, oh. <laughs> Tim has been there much longer. Um, but I, I moved there with like the age of the apps. Coming out in college and then moving to New York following college, were things that like were kind of jarring about entering into the gay community with like hookup culture, et cetera? No, I, and I think this is very just me. I'm very outgoing in general. And I'm, I don't know, I, I never went out looking to hook up with someone. I never went out looking to go home with someone if that happened. And actually that very rarely has happened that I've gone home with someone like from a bar. I just wasn't worried. I, I'm very social and I, it was just like, great, I have my great group of friends who 
aren't gay um, and from school or from contracts. And so I was like, we all would just go out together and if we met all someone new to join to the group, that was really easy. That's the one of the actual, the, the nice things about what we do. In the world and sea of cons, like you have a built-in friend group. Uh, you meet people on each contract and every few months you're thrown into 20 to 30 new people you have to get along with. And you will find at least one that you enjoy wholeheartedly and that you're like, great, I'm gonna be your friend for a very long time. And so every few months you'd come back to the city or from school or from a contract we did in college and we haven't seen you in, in six months, but how are you? And so I had a very easy transition in that regard. And then as you get older and especially with Twitter, it's how I met you, you meet more people that are outside of your bubble. Um, and that's new. Twitter was not as big as it was now when I moved to New York and neither was Instagram. And so that's been really easy and wonderful of just meeting people. Um, and at least you'll eventually click with people. It may not be the first people you meet, but I feel very fortunate that I had a very easy transition in terms of the community and felt at least embraced, which is a privilege, I guess. For you, Tim, what have like your experiences been? I know you're in a, re in a relationship now, but like what have your relationships been previously to that in the gay community in New York? My previous boyfriend was a muggle like a nine to five worked in finance type. Dating a muggle is very different. Joe was just kind of talking about this, about how we like have a set group of friends per job. And that is mostly because our schedules are so different to the rest of the world. We are kind of forced to be best friends with these people because you get out of work and everyone else is asleep or you know, when, when the nine to fivers are working is our time off. So the only people really available to us are other actors. So in New York, it was actually very wild to me that I dated someone who was not an actor just because of the schedule. But that relationship was really, really lovely. And it was nice to kind of step out of the world of acting for a little bit. Obviously, that didn't work out. And there's a number of reasons. I mean, actors are tough. I've seen on a lot of dating profiles, like, no actors, no actors, no yeah, actors. Yeah, and we, we have it on ours. <laughs> yes, yeah, so back in the we day. Like, back I, in the I day. Get it. Yes. I totally get it. But I can imagine that was a great learning experience, though, with time management and making time for a significant other with such significantly different schedules. It left very little window, actually, for the relationship. Some of those jobs especially in New York, they get out at like 10 p.m. at night. He'd be working like literally at the office at like 7.30 and wouldn't get out and done until 10 p.m. So it would leave us like an hour window before we went to bed and that, that's, that's all I got. A lot can be done in an hour. Now, <laughs> dating another actor, I have, we have all the time. Love, yeah, in the love world. that. Unless, unless, you know, we're working separately, which currently we are. So let's dive into the audition scene. I think that's something that a lot of people, even those that maybe aren't involved in musical theater, I think everyone is aware of kind of like that audition process that's shown in movies, etc. with very competitive, um, very hard to, you know, get your, your moment, but you have to keep just auditioning, auditioning, mm -hmm. auditioning. Mm -hmm. But for, let's start with Joe, for you, when you moved to New York, what was that initial audition process sure. like for you defining your moment? Well, I think it's important to say it looks completely different now than it did before the pandemic. Yeah. They're all trying to figure out how that still works. But showing up in New York, it was the cattle calls that you see in movies. It was the, you're in line down a street at 5 a.m. in, in the, the winter, rain, in, in the, the snow. snow. In, if anyone follows any theater people on online, we all heard about like the hairspray call that happened like right before the pandemic, which was like 600 people outside at 4 a.m. And at 5 a.m. waiting just to sing like 30 seconds of Good Morning Baltimore, just to maybe book a job or maybe get a call back. And sometimes when it's that many people, they go, it, it's, they break up the music into bars. So 
Yeah, a lot of times bars. you get 32 bars of music that you're allowed to sing. Sometimes it's 16, but when it's like that many people, they'll go down to eight, which really just means you get to sing like the final note of the How song. How do you make an impression? Of course, oh, that's, that's, that's the, thing. the thing. And you don't. But it was a lot of just cattle calls. I didn't show up with an agent. I was not in the union um, with a single point. There's like equity points, which okay. don't really exist anymore. Does it give you like clout or something? It gives you priority. Okay. Um, so there's like kind of three tiers, or at least it used to be. There's equity, which is like Tim. Tim is in the union and has been for a while. Slay Tim. There's EMC, which is an equity membership candidate, which working at a theater like the rep where Titanic is or, or other things, uh, you get points per week you work. Okay. Um, and so there are rules to how many points you can have before you join. And then there was just completely non-union. So it's it's a hierarchy. It's all the union must be seen. Then there's time. If there's EMC, there's a list. And then if there's time, God forbid, it's non-union. Are you in the union now? I'm EMC right okay. now. But I'm joining the union as soon as Titanic ends. For you, what was your experience initially yeah, like? Yeah, it was just, like he said, the hustle. You just, you don't stop. You you show up every morning at 4 a.m. You, you pray there's room on the list and you pray you get seen. And a lot of the time you'll get on the list and then you'll go to your job. So I would run, put my name on a list and then sprint to SoulCycle where I worked at the time and open the studio from 5.30 or 6 until 9 or 10 and then sprint back to the audition and then wait for maybe six to seven hours there hoping someone didn't show up. Um, and then either you're lucky and you get seen you're unlucky and you have to go back to work. Um, I worked like five jobs at one point. I, I worked every place that I wanted to have something for free at. <laughs> I was like, what do I do that I don't want to spend money at? What were your jobs? I was working at SoulCycle. I was working at like Grit Boxing. I, I work at Barry's right now. I worked and managed Broadway Dance Center so I could take dance classes for free. I worked at an acting studio and did their digital me media and PR so I could take their classes for free. I was very just like, go down what things so I can go out and like party. Um, without breaking, he still the bank. has that mentality today. He was just talking about it in the car of other things he wants to get for free. So. No, literally, I'm reapplying to all the jobs. Please hire me. Um, <laughs> but it, but that's what my biggest advice was given to me when I moved there: is go find jobs that you enjoy, that you're a client at. Yeah. That way, you can literally just get anything you need for free. In yeah, the I same, mean, then you're saving two hundred dollars at yeah. Equinox because you're working. There. Because you're working there and you're staying in shape, which sadly is a huge thing with what we do. But so it was just nonstop. I would call my mom crying all the time of just out of pure exhaustion. And I didn't really book a big thing for about a year. What um, was your first big thing? My first big thing was a theater in Wisconsin. It's called The Fireside. It's out in yep. Fort Atkinson. Mm -hmm. um, I booked Elf. It was an equity job. It was getting points for the first time. I was being paid a shit ton. Fireside is amazing and it's such a wonderful group of people and it was a great first job. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky I booked like an off-Broadway show my first week in New York, but it was not good. It was, was it? Frankenstein. At the Players Theater? I don't even remember that. No, no one saw it. It's an off-Broadway credit, and so I did that for a few months and just like worked on the side. But it was a lot of either no's or just not being seen at all. And of course you show up to New York being like, well, I'm about to go be Fiero and Wicked. Like, give me a month and I'll be there. You know what New York's been missing? Me. Me. You know what New York didn't have? Me. me. And you're like, oh wait, every single boy like, Oh, I can't sing above a G. Just like Like, me. yeah. And so it's it's jarring to a point, especially if you don't come out of schools like Michigan or CCM or these these top, top musical theater schools where you're handed opportunities. I'm sure it was similar to you. The audition process is, was brutal. Um, Do you find it being less brutal now, post-COVID? In many ways, yes. yes. Yes, because so much has moved electronically. It's so digital and like kind of what we're doing now. We each have our own like ring lights and, you know, lighting equipment yeah. and sound and video because the first few rounds of auditions now are all video, mm -hmm. which is amazing. 
because you can be you can be working a job like Titanic yeah. here and still submitting for your next job, which used to not be the case. You used to have to wait until you were back in person to be seen to be looking for your next job. So it's made it a lot easier in a yeah. lot of ways. Some people hate it. Some people are really over it. I'm like, no, let's embrace this because you can yeah. be applying to the next thing a lot sooner than you used to be able to. I was having this conversation with one of the other swings the other day, Cecilia and... What's that guy? <laughs> People that are listening to this who don't know what a swing is or don't know what uh, off-Broadway is, yes. could you give us like a vocab? Yeah. What is Broadway versus off-Broadway? What are the differences? Well, let's, start with, let's start with the first thing. Swing covers ensemble. Understudy covers principal. And yes. Titanic is a show that they're in Milwaukee for right now. Yes. That's why you guys are here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's, I'm swinging. And so I was talking to someone else the other day and I love it in the sense of we're all trying to make theater as accessible as possible right now. And that's, that's a huge thing at the forefront of change for what we do. And it's great that anyone can audition for any project for the most part. It doesn't mean your video is gonna get seen and it doesn't mean you'll move forward, but there's a satisfaction in a, in a pat on the back to know you at least put in the work and submitted. Um, and that may mean that there's 20 other people against me per se to, for this one role, but I love the fact that anyone gets to, to participate at this point. And it's very much fair game and not, well, I had work and I couldn't afford to take off, um, which was a huge thing prior. Um, yeah. So it's it's been great. I'm all for it as long as you call me in person at some point because I don't like tapes. In person, it's just different. It used to be a thing though, I don't know if this is relevant, but do you remember it used to be if you didn't get a regional job for the summer, <clears throat> you could have the mindset of like, okay, well I didn't book something for the summer, but now I'm available in the summer when to tours and Broadway everything. need a quick replacement yes. and I'll be one of the few people that are around. That used to be how people would get their in to yes. Broadway or a big tour is because they just happened to be in the city yeah. during when those auditions hit. Some of my biggest auditions were in the summer. It was like the first time I got, I'm gonna talk about Wicked all the time. Not no, in Wicked. I'm not in Wicked. <laughs> but that was the first time that I auditioned for it was the summer because yes, nobody was there. Yeah. What is kind of like the trajectory if there is one, usually getting from, oh, I'm doing off-Broadway shows, regional shows, to getting to Broadway. Is there any sort of sort of journey or certain trajectory people can take? No. No. It's completely <laughs> random. It's and awful. There's nothing. There used to be, I think, in like a mindset of like like a ladder. You you graduate, you do an awesome gig regionally or, or a non-union tour or an equity tour, and then you're you're gonna be on Broadway. Um, nowadays it's people are on Broadway while they're in college. Um, which is yeah, and then Great they peak, for them, but and then they then the peak, but then sometimes never where do you again, go? Or they become stars, or it's totally random. I'll we were just talking about this off camera, but I saw this tweet. Some it was a definitely a girl had won her Tony the night before, and then the next day I think was, it was going a producer to like her, or like a writer. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe. And then the next day was like going to her random like side job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can be at the absolute top of our field and you're... Does it just not pay good enough? Is that the issue? There's no, just... it's just, you're always looking for work. Like are constantly looking for insurance weeks to get insurance. Like it's just a constant, constant yeah. hustle. You get your Broadway show, like my boyfriend got his Broadway show and four months later it closed. So like he has the credit and he can say that he was on Broadway, but that was four months of his life total. It's nice when you book like a long running tour like to book a wicked and to just sit in that just show sit. would be amazing that becomes your nine to five yeah. you just go to work every day that would yeah. be amazing if you book a long tour it's the same thing but eventually you either leave because you can't stand the show anymore or it closes yeah. and you're back at square one again and it took a, a, a while for me at least to understand that broadway is a gig 
I, did, I did not have that mindset in college. I was like, once you, once you're on Broadway, you're on Broadway, baby. Yeah, once like, you get Broadway, your life is fulfilled. You're, you're fulfilled and you're set. Yes, you're um, happy all the time. It's not. It's we've seen it's Broadway shows close within a month of opening. Um, also, we also have plenty of friends on Broadway, and it doesn't equal happiness. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> and but it doesn't. And that's it, there's a humbling aspect to that. Yes. I think it's another show. It's another show, and it's another moment in your life. Um, it's just a. Is it's it, just really well paying and, in a, and it's in a, great. In a nice theater. In a really <laughs> nice theater with in some New nice York, wigs. To live at home. <laughs> um, but it's it's humbling and it's I love it for where I am in my career of we're doing Titanic right now and we're working alongside some incredible Broadway talent that their resumes are stacked. Yeah. Um and Shout Were out there, Andrew Varela. Shout out Andrew Varela. Shout out David Hess. Um, Cooper Groden, I saw in Phantom of the Opera 10 years ago yeah. as the Phantom. Um, and to work alongside people that either you have seen or admire or, or look up to, it's very humbling and it's very gratifying. Um, yeah. And That's what I mean about Sporadic, though, too. Like, they have these incredible careers. And they're here working, you know, in Milwaukee with us. Yeah, <laughs> which is wonderful, but it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, and this is obviously like a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful production. Yeah. And we're so oh, lucky I mean, to I be here, dude. You saw it twice. twice. <laughs> I mean, it was $25, so I was like, man, Yes. Well. Yeah. But um, no, that's, that's, so, that's so cool to get to like work with people that, you know, are so yes. high up in yes. like what yeah, they've done, but like you're able to like, you know, go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin and work with them for a few yeah. months and like Absolutely. learn from them, yeah. I would assume. And it's part of the reason that you say yes to certain jobs because yeah. you're like, oh, this, you know, this cast is stacked and I can't wait to see how this person works in the room. I worked at the Muni this past summer, which is in St. Louis. Which is a really big deal if you don't, if you know what the Muni is. It and was, if you it don't, really it's massive. Cool. They, they're really short um, contracts. It was like three weeks total, rehearsals and performance, but they stack those casts with like Broadway stars. So it was some of the best like, viewing of how do these people work in like such a short time frame as just you know actors and their craft in general it was fascinating interesting have you guys ever said no to a gig an yeah. acting gig yeah plenty 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 is there a reason like because you you're always looking to like fill yeah is there, like something if like if it's is, is it usually a no because like you don't like the role or like, the pay is not good enough or, like what what why would you say no there's to a this gig? like general concept that i think a lot of actors have adopted and there's when you are offered a, a show you take a look at it and you see is this worth it to me financially is it worth it to me artistically, creatively, for the connections that you'll make? Like, will this further me? And you have to be able to say yes to two of those. Oh, that's a great mindset. Yeah, I before look at you the agree to it. <laughs> or at least, at least it's to be I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> also, sometimes, like, it can just be intuitive. If, if you get offered something and you're like, eh, I don't know. Like, it's not worth it. We're saying that all of this career is sporadic, but, like, and that there's not a letter, but I do think people try to apply some yeah. sort of ladder to it. So you do get to a certain point where you're like, you know, I, I loved the, the summer stock gigs that I did, which is where you work for a full summer doing different shows in rep and you're cleaning the toilets and you're doing all this extra work on the side. And it's a really way to like build your resume when you first get out of college, but you get to a certain point and you're like, I'm too old for that. Or I've done I've done other things that like to go back and do another one of those feels like too big a, of a step, a step back, back backward. Yeah, interesting. Okay, there's like a, um, a negative mindset in saying no as well. Like normal people say no to jobs all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we we've been categorized into this genre of occupation that we're like, well, you should be grateful, and yeah. you you got a job, take it. You never yeah. work. Yeah. You know, it's you should be thrilled, and it's and it's no. 
negative connotation or dismissal of the jobs that we do say no to. Um, because at the end of the day, there are plenty of people who will take it. Yes, and, and we'll be we're happy on a to list. take it. And I happy. would rather someone who is more passionate yeah. about the project do it than me show up day one and already be like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, yeah. I've left jobs correctly and through contract-wise that I wasn't happy at anymore because there are plenty of people who would be thrilled to be there. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it in that, in that mindset, it's, it's, it has to be fulfilling. And mm -hmm. if you want a job, take it. You, yeah. If you are just one of those people that want to work nonstop, awesome. But that's not a lot of us, especially post-pandemic. I've seen a lot of change in mindset with a lot of our friends. Yeah, a lot of people left the, the business post-pandemic. I think people are far pickier now yeah. about what they're willing to do. I think, I think people really looked internally and decided like what they want out of life. And I think a lot of the places we work looked internally. And I've seen a lot yes. of change in, in what contracts look like and what pay looks like. The summer stocks I've done, their contracts are completely different now. Yeah. Um, they're not cleaning the toilets anymore because uh, there was just a, a, a large movement of people just speaking out and speaking up Same. of just like, y'all, we're still people. Wait, I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, Mitchell, when are you returning to the stage? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Wait, all right, everyone. Wait. So yeah. Mitchell, Mitchell reached out on Twitter right when I said I was moving to Milwaukee and not moving. Oh my God, I'm not moving to Milwaukee. <laughs> Um, when no, we, we were, do love it. We love we it. Have loved um, it. I will. It's not that bad. It gets a lot no, of it's slender. No, yeah. it's very it's cute, beautiful. but I don't live here. And Mitchell was asking what I was doing here, and I was talking about working at the rep. Um, and Mitchell said that he had worked at the rep before <laughs> any of us. It was my first job. Yeah. I guess my first job yeah. when I was. We're going to ask, what's the trajectory, Mitchell? <laughs> yeah. Like, when are you going to go be on Broadway? I don't want to. I mean, I, <laughs> I love musical theater. I grew up doing it my whole life. I was in choir, did all that jazz. Like, I did A Christmas Carol when I was in third grade, fourth grade, and Roll fifth grade. Clip. It's like, it was a super fun time. I got to work with so many, like, really. I mean, yeah. I always loved Broadway, like, going to see shows. Like, my whole life, my family's, like, always, like, I've been so fortunate to get to see so many shows. Yeah, you've been uh, so nice to support us. I just always have loved musical theater, and so I. Like I was never into sports or anything. And so I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I could sing. So I was like, let's do this. Did that, I did like a bunch of like high school musicals and other like little local Good. theater. But do you still sing? No. Can we make you sing? Wait, yeah, sing us a song. <laughs> Not right now. But if maybe, you sing, Tim will sing. Maybe, two drinks maybe, some, maybe sometime later. Yeah. Okay. Loved doing choir. Like it was my life in, in high school. Like I did show choir and everything. Like it was yeah. my whole thing. Like I went to show choir camp like in Ohio. And yes. like, they thought, like Glee. But it was it was such a fun part of my life and I loved it. But um, just like as I got like in college, like doing choir just was too much for my yeah. schedule. So it just doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. But. I have another question that brings it a little bit more back to us a little bit. What is what is the view as someone who is not in the theater world and in interacting with theater gays? Mm -hmm. What is what is the view of theater gays? I don't interact with them that much. I mean, like when I saw Titanic the first time, me and my friend like went to you guys at the bar afterwards. And yes. it's like I feel like musical theater is something that I'm like so passionate about, but I very rarely like show that side of me just because like. N normal people are like judgmental of sure. that like people yeah. who aren't in it they're like oh they're like a nerd um, but I yeah. love it like I watch like the YouTube videos about all like the Broadway drama like I'm glad that we're not frowned upon from you I know in New York we are I want to circle back so you mentioned that like you could go do a long-term touring show yeah and that's like a great consistent gig and that you had done that in the past with Les Mis yeah what kind of was your experience with that yeah Les Mis is so iconic so yeah. I, I mean I was 
on cloud nine when I booked that. That was like the, f the first six months of that job. I <laughs> can literally think back and I've never been happier in my life. Like I felt like I had hit this career goal. I also was like starting a new relationship with my boyfriend, Mike. Like it just like the stars aligned and for six months I was in absolute bliss with that show. And then it becomes, you know, it, the novelty of it does wear off after a little bit um, and it becomes a job, you know? So you're clocking in, you're clocking out. There are people that you love at work. There are people that annoy the hell out of you at work. Yeah. It's just like any any yeah. other job. Yeah. But you stay, I stayed with it for as long as I did because the, you know, the money is good and it's consistency. And for once in my life, I wasn't having to hustle. Auditions were still coming in and I was still auditioning whenever I could. At that time it was flying back to New York to audition for things, which is, you so know, expensive. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot and it's a lot of money and Mm -hmm. whatever else but anyway uh, yeah I stayed with it because it was financially the right move mm -hmm. and I was touring with my boyfriend oh. until the last eight months of it is that how you guys met mm -hmm. on that tour okay. yeah, yeah, yeah a little romance yeah it was, <laughs> yeah, it was so fun because we kept it a secret because you know you don't want to be seen as shitting where you eat yeah. Until like you know that you've like locked it down and it's gonna be like a serious thing so yeah. we, we kept it very secret for like I don't know three months which like it's kind of fun Oh, it was hot, yeah. To like keep it a secret and like steal kisses like backstage when people weren't looking. Like, yeah, it was awesome. What was it like touring to different cities like with a new relationship and you're going all around the country? Like, what's that experience You like? had a great schedule. We did have a good schedule. Um, it's awesome. I got so conditioned after a while to every week, every two weeks to switching to a new city. So like if we sat down for like a month, I'd, I would get to week two and be like, are, are we moving on now? Right. We, um, so I loved, I loved seeing the country. I loved, I'm, I can be a bit of a homebody. So I would get to a new city and I would really just want to figure out two things. Where am I working out and where am I getting coffee and sitting down and drawing? I draw on the side. Um, so I loved that. I, I had my routine. I'd work out, drink coffee, draw, go to the show. It was really nice, actually. It was so very fun. like stress-free for once, and not having to think about what's next. Joe, would you ever do a tour? I like did that? a tour. Yeah. Which, I did, what, a, I did Charlie do? and the Chocolate Factory. So I did it for about five to six months. Um, we were one of the first shows to come back post-pandemic, which was super exciting, and I, I was new to the show. Um, they had launched right before the pandemic and got shut down. It was good. It, it was hard. Um, we didn't have sit-downs like Les Mis or like the bigger shows. We had weeks, which was great, um, versus like one-nighters where you're in a different town or city each night, which they got to after I, I departed. Oof, that's tough. It was tough, and on top of that, we had COVID, and I was going through things at home, and so it just, I left for personal reasons. Um, okay. But the act of touring is, is so fun, and it's really the opportunity that in our career where you get to travel on someone else's dime, and especially if you're doing like an international tour, um, you're literally across the globe. Yeah. It is also looked at as the, the better way to save money. Yeah. Like actors go on tour to buy a house because you end up, you're not living in New York, so you're not spending the money that you spend in New York. You're getting paid per diem. They're putting you up. Like you're, you, you save so much money mm -hmm. on top of the salary that you're also getting. So it's an easy way to go out and save money quickly. So when you guys go on these tours, if you guys have a place in New York, do you guys just sublet it? Is that usually, usually what you do? It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I reached out to Shay Durazo, who has a past mm -hmm. podcast guest, and Joe knows him. Um, Shay. Yeah, I love Shay. He's so I amazing. Mike knows him too. I was I was showing my boyfriend some of the episodes okay. last night, and he was going through. He's like, oh, I know him. Everyone know knows him. Shay. Shay's an icon. He's so amazing. So nice and kind. Yes. Um, but he, uh, for those of you who don't know, he 
as a dancer, but he also he just shifted to being full-time content creator instead of doing that because he did a short, short gig. He didn't like it. He's very open that he quit the show. I asked him if he had any questions for you guys. Um, oh. And he, he wanted to know how you guys deal with actors, specifically the competition aspect mm. of the, of the oh, community. That's such a nice question. I expected this question to be like, Rude as fuck from Shay. <laughs> so funny, me and one of the other actors in our show, Brian, we're just kind of talking about this. We were talking about it on the walk to the theater. Because we were talking about like when a friend books a show, what is your what are your first two thoughts? And Brian was really nice. He was like, My first thought is that I'm happy for them. My second thought is why didn't I go in for that? Or like, I need yeah. to email my agent about how to get it for it. And I was like, oh, Brian, that is so nice of you. I'm the reverse. My first thought is, why wasn't I in for that? I need to call my agent. Second thought is, I'm so happy for them. But you have to, I would say to answer that question from Shay, like you have to, there's always competition in this industry. It's just, it is the career that we're in, especially you have friends who look like yeah. you are going in for the same roles. My boyfriend and I audition for the same things all the time. And because it's tapes, like he makes the tape and he's behind the camera and then we swap yeah. and then I'm behind the camera. Like, like literally we're going in for the same roles and you just have to like shift your mindset on it. For Mike and I, we always say it doubles our chances of booking the show. You know, if I don't oh, book it, cute. I would rather that he books it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if I don't book it, I'd rather that yeah. Joe books it. Like, I'd rather have a friend, someone that I'm supporting book it. You have to stay humble and supportive. And, I mean, the people that suck the most are the ones that aren't. Yeah. You know? It's, I, I try really hard to not look at it as competition. Yeah. Um, you just can't. I'm not sprinting at the race with you, you know? It's not that I ran faster or that I swam better. Mm -hmm. um, Come on, metaphor. There are so many aspects which you don't learn for a very long time that go into casting someone. No, there are uh, there are theater schools that teach that you have to stay competitive. You yeah. have to be hungry and you have to bulldoze people to get what you want. Which is, you know what? Maybe sometimes that works because some of those schools, those kids are very successful. It's just not a good way to live your life. No. It's and kind, you of can't a toxic, that. kind of a toxic head, headspace. Totally. totally. It just puts you in a in a headspace of you're just you didn't do well. And that you just, you weren't good um, or you could have done better. And so many um, factors of this industry are totally no, out of your hands. So out of your hands. And you're too blonde. You're too whatever. Yeah. It's, you're too tall. And, and you look at it eight auditions later, you're like, well, I was the same height the entire time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I, I'm always, like Tim said, I'm always thrilled. I'm happy that someone is working, point yeah. blank. I think yeah. it's a community at the end of the day and it's a hard community and it's one we all struggle in. Even if you have four Tony Awards, um, mm -hmm. I'm thrilled that the art is out there and that, and that you're employed. Um, with friends, I was just talking to our mutual friend Talia um, about this the other week. Um, Talia's she's, a star. Talia's a star at I'm Talia so Robinson. For her. Yeah. Um, she just closed Dear Evan Hansen and is about to go do the Merrily We Roll Along revival. With Daniel Radcliffe. With Harry Potter. Oh, slay. Um, she's, and a star. she's a star. And she's a star. the most humble, nicest. She's I could talk sweetest. for hours about Talia. Maybe that's our next podcast, <laughs> just about Talia. Um, <laughs> But we talked about this right before I left the city for Titanic, and I was like, we're all so thrilled for you, and we're all so excited, but I was like, but of course you sit there and you're jealous, and of course you sit there and you're like, well, fuck, like, it's not me. Um, but at the end of the day, there has to be that ounce of that, or else you don't care about what you do, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. And But that jealousy has never turned into anti that person, yeah. or, well, I, we, I hate you, or, or any of that regards. It's... That's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, and there's there's an, a healthy aspect of jealousy and a, a healthy aspect of 
frustration when you, when you don't get something. But at the end of the day, especially if it's your friend, you're thrilled. And I've always been someone who cannot wait to go see you in that if, if I'm able to. Um, like my buddy ben, ben is in Wicked right now as a vacation swing. And of course, when that's announced, you're like, well, shit. <laughs> like, I've been in for that eight times. Well, why wasn't it me? I was never in for that, but why, why was I not? Um, yeah. And I can't wait to go see him slay his ensemble track that he's doing for the week on Tuesday. And so I don't know, it's, it's, it's a family at the end of the day, especially in, in your little friend groups. Um, and I am always just so, it's a weird, there was a tweet about this the other day. It was like, I feel, oh, it was my friend Alex. He tweeted it. He was saying that he feels so weird telling people that he is so proud of them because he feels like he is taking ownership or like credit for their achievements. And I was just like, no, I was like, I think we are always so proud of our friends and of our significant others or our siblings um, for, for getting it. it. Like Tim said, if, if it wasn't me, I'm thrilled it was you. Even if I wasn't in for it, I'm thrilled it was you if I know you. Um, and it's so deserved and we, we see each other's hustles and we see each, each other at, the, at our lowest. I um, mean, to see people really succeed, even if it's not you and even if it's not us on Broadway, I cannot wait to go and, and cheer them on. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's one of the very nice aspects of New York and the community because um, there's a lot of toxic people and a lot of, and a lot of people who view it as competition mm. um, and who aren't friends with actors because of that. Or, and no offense to them, but it is typically that comes from like the younger. Yeah. It's something that you have to learn. You have to learn that you have to... The jealousy will always be there, always. Yeah. You don't have to work for that, but you do have to work towards showing up for your friends because when I book something amazing, I want my friends to show up and be proud of me too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to be the friend. It, it works It's like you ways. are supporting each other at your, at your accomplishments, no matter what. Yeah. Everyone has their ups and downs, I assume, in the industry. Like yeah. maybe one week Joe is, is thriving and Absolutely. Tim doesn't have a gig, yes. but Tim's still going to go and support Joe because yes. you know that when when you're doing really well that Tim's gonna come and support you. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's something I don't think exists in other industries. I don't think that exists in business. I don't think that exists in tech. You're 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 sitting against each other at a at a cubicle for that raise. And only one of you can get that raise. There's just not that loyalty, I think, in other industries that we have to each other. L lastly, is there any advice that you would give to people that are entering into the acting scene? Give the career your all, but don't let it be your whole life. Okay. Make sure that you have many things that you love to do because the career is hard. And if you go into an audition and you can't let it go post audition, that's all that's on your mind. That's a bad place to be. You've got to make sure that you have something else to look forward to in your life. Other, other hobbies, other passions, anything, anything. Okay. Okay. To keep yourself sane. Someone posted this quote the other day, and I, oh, it was my friend Lauren, uh, who just ran the marathon I saw with Talia. It's, it's a quote, I'm going to butcher it, but it's the mentality of you don't have to do it, you get to do it. Um, and I think if you approach any job, but especially what we do, for those five minutes that you may be in an in on in, in audition room, or a contract that's a little long that you're getting tired of or getting a little frustrated with, you get to do it. And that, that's so exciting. And that, that really takes off the pressure of auditioning for me in that mindset of, cool, I get to do what I paid a lot of money to go to school for and what I love to do for five minutes, regardless if I get the job. Yeah. Um, and that it's a business at the end of the day. It's, and it's not as personal as we may take it. Um, 
and, and, and with that, it's just bring your all to it and have fun. Have, have as much fun as possible on top of what Tim said, because you need to have other hobbies mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and do other things. Um, when you have the job, wait, someone told me this recently, and I think about it all the time now. Like when you have the job and you are performing, there are some days that you, it, you may be tired you oh, know, absolutely. to go to work and things like that. Someone once said to me, we always hear like, this could be someone, someone in the audience, it's their first show ever. Yep. But someone added to that and said, this is also probably someone's last show ever, which I think about all the time. And like, <laughs> I, it literally could make me cry. Like it, it is, I think about it every time we do Titanic, the days well, that I'm dang, like, Tim, I that's have a sad. <laughs> no, but, but oh just, my God. just meaning like, get, like this. Yeah, it's a nice mentality, but shit, that's depressing. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Is it? <laughs> that's de yes, Tim. <laughs> like, hmm, I just gave my all, rest in peace. <laughs> Oh I'm so sad and I'm so sorry if you saw one of my performances as your last show. You were fantastic. <laughs> Not in Titanic. I was great in Titanic. Yeah. But no, you slayed that. But in other shows, ooh, so sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go in with that mentality. Because I didn't was. go in with the mentality. Right. I did not do the Little Mermaid with the mentality that <laughs> this is someone's last show. Oh my gosh. Um, but no, that's. I didn't mean to take Tim's moment. It's a very oh, beautiful <laughs> mindset. It just is dark. <laughs> well, thank you guys both so much for taking the time to be here Thank today. you, Mitchell. Thank of you. course. Do you want to give everyone your, your socials that can follow you on your acting journey? Um, you can find me at Tim Cordier, Q-U-A-R-T-I-E-R. -E do you still have your drawing Instagram? I do. Oh, yeah. I, I, I started another hobby, another passion, which is um, drawing. Love. Tim's amazing. Yeah. No, he is. I've seen them. They're amazing. They're oh, amazing. It was going to be a career pivot for a second, but here we are. Um, that's TQ Cards. Okay. TQ cards. Okay. And order them and buy them because I'm framing the one you- I have Golden Girls prints. That's what we have I right literally now. am framing the one you gave us for Titanic. Oh, that's very sweet. I, it's, no, it's beautiful. It's just so sweet. I love little things. My at is Hornburglar, H-O-R-N-B-U-R-G-L- AR, maybe. Well, again, thank you guys both so much for being here today. You thank you, Mitchell. Us. Yes, of course. You guys can follow us on Instagram at UnpackedTHT and on TikTok at UnpackedThatPod. Thank you guys again both. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye, everyone. <laughs>